Today on CityCast Philly, from indie films to guided meditations in nature, and even a comedy show about pain, starting today, thousands of independent artists are performing at the annual Fringe Festival. And I get to chat with Charles Tyson Jr., who knows about some of the fringiest things to see. It's Thursday, September 8th, 2022. I'm Trinae Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. Hey, Charles, welcome to CityCast Philly. Hey, Trinae, how are you? I'm good. Charles, you've been in Philadelphia's art scene for decades. You used to have your own dance company, and now you host the podcast called Dance Talk Radio. What keeps you in Philly's art scene? Like, what sets this scene apart from any other cities? It's that's just it. There is nothing like it. We have everything from the most formal of theatrical productions to, you know, I've seen fashion shows and hair salons and modern dance shows and kung fu dojos. Like it's and you know what's crazy? I was in a fashion hair show one time <laughs> in college. So uh-huh. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. We make it happen. It's a very it's everything from the the upper echelon to complete DIY. And there's this groundedness and authenticity in all of it that just it all works, even if it doesn't. It all works. <laughs> yeah, it does. And, you know, one of the truly unique Philly festivals uh, that happens yearly is the Fringe Fest. Yes. Um, and it starts today. Can you kind of give us a little premiere on what this festival even is and what happens there? The Fringe Festival is patterned after the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival in Scotland, where all the artists come from the fringe of the city, of the community where they normally reside, and perform and show off for the greater community. And Philly is no different. Artists of all stripes, from dancers to actors to musicians to performance art, which covers the gamut right there, take over the city, basically. It started off taking place just in the area of Old City, but it's become much more widespread. If you can think of a spot in Philadelphia, someone's doing something during the Fringe Festival. And uh, I've seen I've seen everything. And It's there's never a dull moment. Never, ever, ever. Well, scrolling through their website, there are a ton that you can see at this year's festival. Um, And I didn't even know where to start. So, Charles, what do you think are some of the can't miss events? There were a few things that uh, jumped out to me when I was perusing the website. My first don't miss pick is going to be Brian Sanders junk. Mm-hmm. He is a uh, very prolific, innovative choreographer, and his company, Junk, is, they're ridiculous. It, they always <laughs> include uh, found found objects in their work, Junk. Um, but besides that, they're very athletic and theatrical and comedic. So this year's offering is called Luster. And they take the audience on a behind the scenes view of a fictional reality show that is called Tragic. And 
the whole thing is taking place in a former underground shopping mall that's now a dance club. <laughs> and, so okay, so this yeah. performance seems very <laughs> complex. And it's immersive. There's many yeah. layers. Right, right. That is an that's an aspect that uh, Brian Sanders always does with his works. He goes into these strange, unconventional spaces and creates. A, an immersive world for the audience. I want to live in his mind for five seconds, as long as I can get back out. <laughs> right. That's cool. What else is on your list, Charles? And I happened upon <laughs> something that I file under. It's so crazy. It just might work. Aurora Classical is doing Bon Appetit by Julia Child and Lee Hoibe during a pandemic. Basically, it's if Julia Child we're doing an episode of her show during the pandemic, but it's an opera. See, this is what the French is all about. Like, <laughs> exactly. The creativity, like, amazing. Right? Like I said, it's it's so crazy. I'm like, it, that's probably amazing. And it's virtual. <laughs> so, you know, it's running all the way through to the end of the festival. So it's and, like a cooking show, but it's an opera. Right. Set in the pandemic time. So, right. <laughs> so. Love it. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. Anything else on your list? So uh, my good friend J.J. Tizou, who is uh, most notably uh, a photographer in Philadelphia, he has been doing this project called Walk Around Philadelphia, where he, this will be the 10th year that he's walked the entire perimeter of the city of Philadelphia and gathered stories and and you know took in the landmarks and for the fringe he's taking people with him mm -hmm. you start at Cherry Street Pier and they give you a little packet and maps and you can go oh, okay I want to take that leg of the walk and that leg of the walk and you know you get to see parts of the city that you probably never would have been privy to before because either you don't go to that area or you're driving so you wouldn't catch it. It's very cool. It's very it's a way to see the city or see the city in a different way. That is so cool. I mean, I've done the Broad Street run and that was 10 miles, but that was just one straight straight away. So. Right. And I, I it, it was rough. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I can but imagine. Right. Wow, so much good stuff. And I know we didn't even get to like half of it. No. Do you have any tips for folks who want to get the most out of their festival experience or for folks who it may be their first time going? Um, if it's your first time going, I would say pace yourself because everyone's ticket pricing is different. And it can be, you can say, I want to see 10 shows, and that can be a bit much. Some shows are pay-as-you-go. Some tickets can be upwards of 30 to $50. I would recommend getting like a 10-day pass or a full festival pass. Um, I, if you do that, I would definitely make sure that you get your schedule together. Everyone is, is encouraged to make their shows adhere to the, the runtime because people like to go to see multiple things. But because it's so spread out across the city now, you want to make sure that you have time to get from one venue to the next. And again, pace yourself. Keep your mind open because you never know what you're going to see. <laughs> Why do you say that? Why is that important for uh, people to know about Fringe? Well, because the Fringe Festival is usually the time when folks 
try new things and experiment. And sometimes that can mean, you know, subject matter. Sometimes that could be, you know, being a little more edgy with uh, your content, such as your language. Sometimes there's nudity, which is always noted in the notes in the guide. So they don't catch you by surprise. Right. (laughs) But still, you never know. This brings another question. I was thinking, does a fringe ever say no to ideas? I doubt it because, you know, are there I wonder if there's times when it's like, all right, this is this is like too far. I can't imagine what that would be. Right. Because (laughs) I swear to you, I have seen people uh, play a game of one, two, three red light. And then halfway through, they strip down and rub mud all over themselves and humped a wall. I am not exaggerating. (laughs) (laughs) So. I want to know what what is too far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. So Fringe is in its 26th year. How has the festival changed over the decades? It used to be specifically for the folks that couldn't get into the bigger venues. And that's when you started to see all those Uh, unconventional spaces being turned into performance spaces. Um, And then it became um, a twofold entity. It became the quote-unquote Philadelphia Fringe, and then they called it a build-your-own fringe. So the Philly Fringe was more adjudicated artists. So you would be produced by the entity of the Fringe Festival and you'd be guaranteed a stipend and you would be on their official marketing and you would essentially be produced. Whereas Build Your Own Fringe is completely self-produced. So you're responsible for all of the the expenses in the production. And then the adjudicated arm became Live Arts Frilly Fringe. So it's like a whole other, it's like this big festival that's taking place over top of everyone doing their fringe performances. It's gotten, it's gotten really big. Um, it's harder, it's, it's harder and easier because, you know, they want artists to, to explore the fringe and put work into the fringe, but then the big names get put into the adjudicated arm. So it's like, oh, well, you know, is it about the artists and is it about the fringe or is it about, you know, the big names? It's an ongoing conversation. Do you think it feels like it's getting a little more mainstream now? Do you think there's like that has its pros and cons to that? Definitely more than it ever has, um, mm-hmm. especially now that Fringe Live Arts has its own space. Uh They have events all year round and they produce artists all year round. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I go back and forth with it. It's like, okay, yes, we want more performing venues. We want more opportunities for artists to be able to present work. Um, But then at the same time, it's like, well, you're creating the elitism that originally the fringe was created to go against. I see. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Charles, what's the most innovative or unexpected thing you've seen at the Fringe Festival? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Let me think. Okay. 
one of the most innovative things. It was the space, I want to say, was an, an abandoned art gallery. And, you know, everyone had their chairs and you can put the chairs in whatever formation you want. And this woman comes out with a basket of cassette tapes and she hands you the basket and you pick a tape and you hand the tape to her and she gets all the tapes from everyone that she wanted. And then she has all these boom boxes, one for each tape. And each one is like breathing or clock ticking or dog barking. And that's the soundtrack for what she, for her show. And then she like danced to whatever the soundtrack was. So it was like, wow, we help create her work for her, you know? Yeah, that's really neat. I love it. Charles, thanks so much for being here on CityCast Philly. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And here's what else Philly's talking about. The candidates are rolling in for the city's 100th mayoral race. This week, Philadelphia Council members Sherelle Parker, Derek Green, and Maria Quinones-Sanchez resigned from their seats to make a bid for mayor. Don't forget, though, former council member Alan Dom resigned a few weeks back, but hasn't said if he's running or not. But remember, we're going to be voting for the city's mayor in November 2023. And if you're looking for a job, the city is hosting a public safety job fair this Saturday, September 10th, from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. at the Municipal Services Building located at 1401 JFK Boulevard. Finally, y'all, we are just three days away from week one of football. The birds take on the Lions in Detroit. This Sunday, kickoff is at 1 p.m. So my phone is going on D&D. Please do not text me. Don't disturb me unless it's about the game. Go Birds! I'm so excited. Anyway, that's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Alexandra McMahon. Our producer is Abby Fritz. Our newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable. If you enjoyed the show, tell your people to listen and subscribe. Sign up for our morning newsletter. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back next week with more news from around the city. Bye. Okay, it's freaking construction. Like, what are they doing today? (laughs) Like, It's the same thing that's been going on for months.